to appreciate you for making us a part of your Sunday right here on CBS Sports Radio. The NBA All-Star Game is in the books officially. Damian Lillard is your All-Star Game MVP. We saw the East defeat the West 211 to 186. That 211 record. Most points ever scored in an All-Star Game. They just had Larry Bird on the screen. Boy, did he look pissed. He looked pissed. He was someone who was hoping for a competitive, defensive-filled All-Star game. Uh, Larry didn't get his wish. Larry did not get his wish. We'll circle back to the All-Star game here in a little bit. But I do want to pivot here and talk some NFL because we got some big-name quarterbacks moving teams this offseason, potentially. And so... I want to talk about where the best landing spot is for them. Where will they go? Where could they go is maybe the better way to phrase it. Where could they go to have the most success in 2024 and beyond? Alex, hit the music. All right. We got four QBs here. Four big-name quarterbacks with their futures uncertain. Let's start with Kirk Cousins. The best landing spot for him, or he would have the most success in 2024 and beyond, the Miami Dolphins. If you are the Dolphins, I think you got to pursue Kirk and get him on your team. If you look at, from Kirk's perspective, what he has, he has everything he needs to succeed. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Jalen Waddell. You have a really smart and creative head coach in Mike McDaniel that's going to put you in a position to succeed. We talk about Kirk as what? A guy who can win in domes, can't win in bad weather. We're in Miami. So you're good there. You got good weather to play um, football in. And he's also talked about in the past, at the end of the season, he talked about taking a discount. That he's open to taking less money to go to a better team than chasing the team that's going to give him the biggest check at the end of the day. And so he is right now willing to go play for a winner. You want to win, Kirk? It's in Miami. You can go in there, play, or, uh, play at a higher level than Tua did, and take this team further than Tua did. And I think if you're the Dolphins, Kirk is an upgrade. He's an upgrade number one and two. He's told you, I'm at a discount. So you don't have to break the bank and move other pieces off. You can incorporate Kirk and still build your team right now, which is in a win-now mode, trade to it, get some draft compensation back, and be on your way to building this team to perform in the playoffs like they do against bad teams in the regular season, which is playing at a high level. They have a problem beating bad teams, or excuse me, they have a problem beating good teams I think they are in a much better position to beat those better teams with Kirk at the helm than Tua. And if you're a Kirk, this is the best spot for you in 2024 to have success and beyond. I think it's a win-win for both Kirk and the Dolphins. That is where I think Kirk should go, and that is his best landing spot in 2024. Justin Fields, his best landing spot is the home that Kirk, I think, should leave. The Minnesota Vikings is the perfect spot for Justin Fields. Hear me out here. Hear me out. If you're Fields, right, you got to go to a team with a head coach that knows what the hell he's doing on offense. Matt Eberflus, 
Not that guy. Not that guy whatsoever. So he has not put Fields in a position to succeed, especially hiring Luke Getze. That did not work out well whatsoever. You go to Minnesota. Kevin O'Connell has shown you with Kirk and with all the litany of backup quarterbacks they had played this year once Kirk got hurt. He is creative. He can get the most out of every quarterback he has. So I think Fields would be in a position to succeed based on the head coach being the best easily off his young career. You have arguably the best wide receiver in the league as your number one guy in Justin Jefferson. You also have some good depth behind him as well. And now you can go into an offense that can become more dynamic because of your ability to open things up on the ground. Look, the run game this year in Minnesota has struggled, and so has pass protection. Kirk Cousins the last two years is one of the most hit quarterbacks um, in the league. That changes just on the ability, or I should say the mobility, of Justin Fields where he can avoid some of that rush and open up the run game because now defenses have to fear him taking off, which was obviously not the case when Kirk is back there. Um, when Kirk is back there under center for Minnesota. I think the Vikings is the best spot for Kirk. And if you're saying, well, Ryan, it's in division to uh, Chicago and never trade him there. Well, if you're the Bears, let me ask you this. You are trading Justin Fields. Don't you want to get the most back for him? If the Vikings give him, or give you, I should say, the best offer, you're already saying you don't believe Justin Fields is the guy. You don't think he can work or be as good as Caleb Williams. So why should you fear him going and staying in your division? I think you trade fields to the team that gives you the highest offer. If that's Minnesota, so be it. I would go all in if I'm Minnesota. I would go all in to bring this guy here. He has a lot of talent. It has to just be refined. And I think Kevin O'Connell, what they have right now built in Minnesota, is the perfect spot to get the most out of fields and have him reach his potential, which I think is a top 10 quarterback in the league. I think he can absolutely reach that next year if he does go to Minnesota. So Kirk Cousins, I think the best landing spot for him is in Miami. I think the best landing spot for Justin Fields is in Minnesota. Two more here. Russell Wilson. The best spot for Russ next year, I think it's going back home. I think it's going back to a place he desperately a few years ago wanted to leave. The Seattle Seahawks. Hear me out. Number one, Pete Carroll is no longer there. So that feud, we could say, is buried because the head coach is no longer employed. Number two, what does Russell Wilson do best? Like, where is he or what does the offense look like when he is truly humming? Well, it's an offense that can run the ball, but then really is able to throw the ball deep off play action. Russ is a guy that wants to push the ball down the field. He's not a check down guy. He's a push it down the field guy. You know who loves to push the ball down the field? The Seahawks' new offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator with Kalen DeBoer at Washington, the Huskies, Ryan Grubb. This is a guy who's now going to be calling plays for the Seahawks who loves to push the ball down the field, who had Michael Penix Jr. drop back and sling it deep to any one of his three or four great receivers they had this past season. You're telling me that they're not going to do that with Russ? Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, I know Tyler Lockett's taking a step back, but still he's a high-level receiver. You're telling me 
Russ going back to that offense with an offensive coordinator that wants to have him chuck the ball deep? That's exactly that's that's a perfect fit. That is the perfect fit for Russ going back home to Seattle and now being their quarterback in 2024. Geno Smith is not the answer for the Seahawks. He's not very good. I know they're going to bring him back. I think that's a mistake. Russ gets you a lot further than Geno does. Make that move if you're Seattle. And if you're Russ, I don't know if it's necessarily ego you got to put away. Maybe it's some hurt feelings, whatever it may be. If you swallow your pride and say, you know what? Actually, I got to go back to Seattle. That's where I can have the most success. He would be right. He would absolutely be right. One more quarterback here that I do want to discuss their future on that that, that I think is going to be very interesting this offseason. I told you Kirk Cousins, his best landing spot is the Miami Dolphins. That means two is out of a job. That means two is not going to be the Dolphins quarterback in 2024 and beyond. So where's the best spot for Tua next season? It's in Atlanta. Going to Atlanta, I think, is the perfect fit for Tua. It's similar to what he has right now in Miami. We have a really good running back in B. John Robinson, right? A really good tight end in Kyle Pitts. A really good number one receiver in Drake London. What the Falcons are missing is a point guard. Get the ball out to those guys. Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke were not very good at it. And for whatever reason, Arthur Smith was horrendous at getting the best players on his team to football. Don't ask me why. It doesn't make much sense. That's why he's fired. So if you're Atlanta right now with three Ferraris in the garage, in those three great players at receiver, running back, tight end, you just need a quarterback that simply can get them the ball. That's what Tua can do. Tua is elite at spreading the ball out like a point guard and getting the best players of football. What Tua can't do very well is raise his game when he plays better competition. Good news for him. Good news for the Falcons. You're in the NFC South. You're not playing murderer's row. You're not playing the Bills twice a year. You're not playing, you know, the Ravens in your conference. You're not having a playoff game at minus 30 degrees in Arrowhead Stadium. You're going into the easiest, so if you want to say weakest, division in the NFL. Where the Falcons right now are a mess. Panthers right now are trying to figure out their quarterback situation. And the Bucs had a, a good year. Now we will see if Baker Mayfield can replicate his success in 2023 again in 2024. And that's if the Bucs make a big enough offer to keep him in Tampa next year. That division is wide open. But there's not a great or elite team that two is going to face in that division, which means he should win that division and get a home playoff game in the Dome. That is beneficial for Tua's game. That is where he's at his best. The Falcons are where Tua, I think, will have the most success next season. So to recap here, four of the biggest quarterbacks that I think will be on the move this offseason. Their best fits, Kirk Cousins, Miami. Justin Fields, Minnesota with the Vikings. Russell Wilson, Seahawks, Tua, Tunga Vailoa, to the Atlanta Falcons. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227.
Which of those four quarterback team combos, Kirk with the Dolphins, two with the Falcons, Russ with the Seahawks, Fields with the Vikings, which one of those four quarterback team pairings would be the best in 2024? Welcome on in. Hick at night with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. A lot of different ways to consume the show this Sunday and every Sunday moving forward. Obviously, if you're listening right now, you're doing so on a smart speaker, on SiriusXM Channel 158, on a local affiliate through the Odyssey app. Thank you. However you are listening, we appreciate that and welcome your support each and every week. Good news is this. If you want to look look at me, which I don't know why you'd want to do that, uh, but hey, God bless if you want to, we are now streaming the show on YouTube each and every Sunday night. CBS Sports Radio is the YouTube account. Go there, make sure you subscribe to the account, and you can watch the show live on the tube. Comment in the comment section as well. Interact on the show. So appreciate you uh, if you want to watch, watching. Appreciate you listening if you choose to listen as well. If you miss any part of the show, don't worry. There's two ways to do that. Very uh, simple and both free. Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E, available wherever you do get your pods. Alex, who does a great job producing every single Sunday for us. Well, I shouldn't say that now. I used to have Alex when I was doing the Saturday morning show each and every Saturday, and now it's a rotating cast on Sunday. So Alex is with us today, next week, not there. It's not your... It's I'm a, back. He's back. Maybe a one-night-only sort of back, but... Whether it's Alex or anyone else, they do a great job producing and also uploading the podcast each and every Sunday. And on YouTube, while you're there checking out CBS Sports Radio's YouTube, you can check out mine as well. Ryan Hickey is the uh, channel name. Go there. Make sure you do subscribe. Post a lot of video content from this show, but also thoughts from mine during the week as well. Where you can find that, again, Ryan Hickey on YouTube. All right, we are starting this hour talking about the best landing spots for quarterbacks on the move this offseason and who will be the more, uh, more uh, most successful. Easy for me to say. So four quarterbacks I think will be on the move first and foremost. Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, and Tua Tungavailoa. I think the four best landing spots for each of those quarterbacks, Kirk, it's in Miami with the Dolphins. Russ, I think, is going back to Seattle and playing for the Seahawks. Justin Fields, I think it's going to Minnesota and playing under Kevin O'Connell. And for Tua, I think his best landing spot next year is in Atlanta with the Falcons. So I want to ask you this here at 855-212-4227 or on social media at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Which one of those new QB, new team combos would have the most success? Tua in Atlanta Kirk in Miami, Russ in Seattle, Fields in Minnesota. I think it's the last one. I think the best fit or or the one that would have the most success is Justin Fields with the Vikings. I truly think by the end of the year, if that trade uh, does go down and Fields is playing for the Minnesota Vikings next year, I bet you by the end of the year, he is a top 10 quarterback in the league. That's in part my belief in the talent Fields has. That's also in part my belief in the coaching job Kevin O'Connell will do to get the most out of Fields. He's a raw product right now. I think he has a lot of talent. 
He's just raw, and I don't think Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus, the offense coordinator head coach combo in uh, Chicago, they didn't do a good job whatsoever at putting Fields in a position to succeed and having the tools there and having the, the creativity there to allow him to kind of really go off and play well. We saw him play better down the stretch. If he goes to Minnesota, I think he would flourish under Kevin O'Connell. O'Connell has shown you in two years as head coach uh, with the Vikings, he is creative. He can, and he is someone I think who gets the most out of what he's given. I mean, he's having guys like Nick Mullins and Joshua Dobbs look decent. And those guys are not very good. But having them play winning enough football to the point where even with Kirk going out in the middle of the year, the Vikings down the stretch were in the playoff race in part because KOC was still getting the most out of backup quarterbacks, journeyman backup quarterbacks. Now you put a guy with so much raw, untapped talent in fields in his lap with Justin Jefferson as your number one receiver, with Jordan Addison as well as a really good, you know, developing 1A, with TJ Hawkinson as your tight end. That's all of a sudden a very explosive offense. And plus, if you're trading for Fields, Fields is still on a rookie deal. So now you open up more cap space to add to the team to improve to the uh, improve the offensive line. Maybe get a better running back than Alexander Madison to town to get a you know a more prolific running attack and get more balance run pass. Now all of a sudden, watch out! Here come the Vikings. So I think of of those four, Kirk in Miami, Fields um, in Minnesota, two in Atlanta, Russ in Seattle, I think the quarterback that would be the best next year would be Justin Fields with the Minnesota Vikings. 855-212-4227. If you disagree, if you think there's another quarterback team combo of those four that would flourish, that would have more success than Fields with the Vikings, 855-212-4227. Tell me who, tell me why. Keith is calling from Baltimore. What is up, Keith? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Ryan. A, a couple of things. I think um, of the quarterbacks that you, you, you put out there, um, Fields has the most upside. He's the youngest. He's, he's probably got uh, more talent than all of them, and he's on the rookie contract. So he... He can fit in a number of different places. Um, if Tua was to leave Miami, what's to say that Fields wouldn't be there? But but here's the thing. Kirk Cousin was having his best year this year before he got hurt. Kirk Cousins, of all of the quarterbacks in the NFL, he's been paid over the last two contracts and – and the uh, uh, when, when they franchise him, yep. he's in the top. He's in the top four quarterbacks who's been paid over that period of time. I think he's almost like two. He's made a lot so of money. A lot he's of made money. A lot. He's made a lot of money. Um, he's not a top five quarterback. I no. look at Justin Fields going to Minnesota. I think, that, of course, that would probably be the upside. Either him going to Minnesota. Or Miami because they have the talent that he can throw to. Um, I, I think I look at Tua. I look at Tua the way that I looked at uh, 
Justin Hurt before Jalen Hurt before he got the receivers in Philadelphia. Those guys they were lights out in Alabama because they had six first round receivers that they were throwing to, and they kind of replicated that once they got to the NFL and got talent around them. The, there's only one quarterback in the NFL right now where it doesn't matter what the talent is, he can still get you a Super Bowl, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Right. Outside right. of that, everybody – Lamar Jackson didn't have talent last year, the year before last, and he was, you know, one and done in the playoffs. He, he got in – and the other thing about the AFC, and, I, and I'll be quick, the AFC is the place where it's going to be the hardest place to win because of the talent of the quarterback. You got Justin Herbert. You got Josh. You got Lamar. You got right. Burles, right. You I'm going to stop you here, Sean Keith. Sorry, I appreciate yeah, the call, yeah. but just because we can go on and on, and thank you for calling. We can go on and on, right, and listing the great quarterbacks in the AFC. It is, you are right. It is loaded. It is deep. It's a challenge. But what you mentioned before is why I think if you're a guy like Kirk, why you look at Miami is a very, you know, attractive destination. It's because, like you said, like every great quarterback, every quarterback, period, every quarterback needs good talent around them. It's obvious, but I think sometimes it's forgotten. You need great talent. Mahomes got by with the worst group of receivers he's had in his career. He's an anomaly. He's one of one. Everybody else, they need good talent around them. And if you're Kirk, he's not a top five quarterback. So he needs help around him. And look, you have a really good running back, a really good receiver in Justin Jefferson and a really good head coach in Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. You look at Miami, more challenging conference for sure. But if you look at Miami, it was Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, who had double or had over 20 touchdowns last year. Mike McDaniel and his creativity, like, you're going to a, a place with an upgrade of talent. So for someone who needs talent around him to succeed, you are going to that place where there's plenty of talent around you. That's why I think it makes sense for Kirk, and that's why I think it makes sense for the Dolphins to move off Tua because despite all that talent around Tua, anytime they played a team over 500 or a team in the playoffs... Like uh, that was in a that made the playoffs, I should say. Anytime they made a playoff caliber team in the regular season, they would lose, and that offense would grind to a halt. That's on Tua. Tua showed you he's not good enough, even with having all that talent around him. He's not good enough to elevate your team in a big game. I would move off, and I think for me, the guy I would get to fill his place is Kirk Cousins. Steve's calling from Pittsburgh. What's up, Steve? Hello. Hey. Hey. What's going on, Steve? Oh, not much. I I was. I'm changing my uh, topic now. You're talking about quarterbacks going to certain teams. Um, I think Russell Wilson to the Steelers now sounds like a pretty easy uh, transition for him and for the offense that they have and the defense that they're really uh trying to keep together. Russ is gonna come in with a with a really young deal. You know, he he's just all you have to do is pay him the veteran minimum. Um he's getting paid 
the rest through um, right, Detroit. The or, yeah, the, through the, uh, what's his name? Denver, um, yep. What, Denver. And then... Um, and then we have that we have a stacked defense. Here's the and, problem, Steve. Yeah, it's not yeah. like I, I would agree the rust fit makes a lot of sense in Pittsburgh. From what I have read from reporters yeah. in Pittsburgh, it oh, does yeah. not Absolutely. seem like the Steelers are interested in an upgrade. We're actually going to get to that in 30 minutes at the top of the hour. Um, okay. I'll, I'll give you a little tease now. I think your Steelers yeah. are in the worst quarterback spot in 2024. Oh, in absolutely, I agree. Because. They seem not open to any sort of upgraded quarterback. It makes no sense. We're looking for a second and a third string right now. So, yeah. <laughs> You're right, Steve. Good luck, buddy. I appreciate the call. And Russ makes a lot of sense in Pittsburgh. They don't seemingly want him, which is why if you're Russ right now and you look around the landscape of where, you know, which teams could be interested in your services. And also, too, again, going back to the talent, you need talent in order to succeed. Look at the talent that has, that's in Seattle. You got a nice little three-headed monster receiver there. Zach Charbonnet, Kenneth Walker is a really good, you know, combo running back-wise. Like, there's offensive talent in Seattle now. If you're Russ, I think going back home makes a lot of sense for you. Your biggest adversary is no longer there in Pete Carroll. So you don't have to worry about butting heads with him. Now you have a young, aggressive-minded Mike McDonald as head coach with Ryan Grubb as your offensive coordinator who was with the Washington Huskies last year calling plays for Michael Penix Jr. and calling plays for one of the most explosive offenses in all of college football, which perfectly fits the skill set of what Russ wants to do, which is chuck the ball deep off play action. Jim is calling from Chicago. What's up, Jim? Hello, Jim. Going once, going twice. See you later. All right, here's what we'll do here. We'll take a quick break. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. That, unfortunately, is a really accurate depiction of my life. I am a loser. I have no interests outside of sports for the most part. Um, So, yeah, I got nothing, man. I got no skills. If I got fired from the radio tomorrow, I don't know what I would do. I have no idea. Uh, so that is a, a, a bleak insight, I guess, to to the life of Ryan Hickey. Nothing going on. Nothing going my way. Total loser. The one thing, though, I do know is that that song that was just coming back, that was just played by Alex, is my parents' wedding song. And that reminds me, it is my, or was my mom's birthday on Thursday. So happy belated birthday to you, mother. It was a fun time getting to see you this weekend. A little shout out on the radio for you. Okay. So the All-Star game is in the books. 20 minutes from now, Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, both spoke about the lack of defense in the NBA All-Star game. We'll let you hear what they say and discuss if there actually is a true way of fixing it or if the All-Star game is dead and gone and it's never coming back. But before the All-Star game commenced tonight, LeBron James did meet with the media, and he has a little bit of a conundrum on his hands. He was asked, um, basically with the end being, you know, the end being in sight. There's no actual right date of when LeBron's going to retire, but it's sooner rather than later. Um... How will LeBron go out? Will he want a 
basically a victory lap and announce before the year that he's retiring so that everybody, you know, every city that he goes to um, is going to honor him or he retire at the end of the season and call it a quits right there. Here's LeBron's answer on how he kind of wants to bow out eventually of the NBA. So he's conflicted. Do I let everyone know before the year this is my final season or do I just retire and go out? LeBron, what I'm about to tell you is free advice you should 100% take, and that is this. You should Tim Duncan it. No victory tour. No final send-off. Whenever the season ends and you think that is it, retire and bow out. I think that is the best thing for LeBron, not because he doesn't deserve recognition for his career and have a victory tour, if you will, a victory lap. I just think more it's one of those sayings where it's either leave early enough to be the hero or last long enough to see yourself become the villain. I don't like to me, the victory tours get old very quickly. Every single city you go to now, there's some sort of memento, some sort of honor for LeBron. I think personally, it's weird. Maybe it's me. I am a hater, right? So I'm one of those fans where if my team can't win, well, I sure as hell don't want you to be happy. So I don't want to see your team win. So maybe it's just a hater in me and I am I am off here and in, in the minority. But I just don't like, I, I don't think victory laps and, you know, final tours, I don't think they should happen in sports. I feel weird, like, as a Knicks fan, if LeBron said tomorrow, hey, you know what, next year is going to be my last year. When LeBron comes to town next year, now I'm supposed to stop and clap and give him, like, a I don't know what they would give him, New York City pizza, a subway sign with his name on it and his accomplishments. Like, we're supposed to honor and cheer for LeBron for crushing my heart for 20 years for beating the hell out of the Knicks for 20 years. I, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to, to what his, you know, what he's accomplished in his career. I just have a hard time, like trying to pretend like I am happy for LeBron. Like, Oh, thanks for beating my ass for 20 years. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I think you can appreciate his career and give him his flowers without having what feels like a contrived and awkward victory tour um, throughout the entirety of a a season. I I don't like it. I know players have done it in the past. I just don't. I I don't like it. I don't like it for any player. I don't like it in any sport. Alex, you're a big Nets fan. You're a big NBA fan. How would you feel if LeBron came to Brooklyn, let's just say next year, after announcing that's going to be his final season? Like, would you give him a standing O and say, hey, thanks for beating my ass all these years? Or is it, like, awkward to you? Um, As a net? Or he would just come, like, for the No, no, no. He would come as a Laker. Like, like he's like when the Lakers I, I mean, come to I, town. I personally would just because I'm not, I, like, LeBron's not my favorite player of all time, but... I've just like appreciated his game all the like every time I watch him, and I've become a LeBron fan. So, st- standing ovation. It, it, if it's his last, if it's like we, I know going into the game this is his last game. Yes. Then yes. So you would cheer. I would, and you yeah. would not feel awkward about it. No. Okay. If everyone knows that it's his last game in that arena, then yeah. 
Okay, and you're okay with like giving him? I, I don't know what, what the Nets would give him, but like a Are gift. And you're okay with yeah. a gift? We we give him more than what we gave Kyrie <laughs> or KD. So which they did like they didn't deserve tribute videos. I appreciate what Kevin Durant said. He didn't deserve a tribute video when he came back. But we the, gave him one, but right. we didn't give Kyrie or Harden one. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Neither deserve them. Yeah. They didn't accomplish anything. I still miss them. <laughs> well, that's a whole different discussion for a whole different day. But maybe, okay, so maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just a hater and I'm, you know, again. I'm, like, I'm I, like, I am a hater in, t- in certain ways as well. Like, just watching, you know, if I were just to watch, let's say, the Celtics or the 76ers and, you know, I want them to lose or something like that, you know, it it's all well it's all well and good just because those are my rival teams, right? But for me, maybe it's just that, uh, like, you've appreciated LeBron too, right? I'm, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like LeBron the player. I respect LeBron the player. Yeah. I'm not I, anti-LeBron. I, I just think, like, it's just such a, he's such a once-in-a-generational player that I, I feel like I have to. I just feel like, and it's not him, it's for anybody. I just feel like those things get old quick, especially because the season is so long. So it's like, oh, LeBron, his last game in Memphis. Oh, this week it's LeBron's last game in Philly. Like, it's going to be brought up so much that yeah. I just feel like the media even is going to just beat it out of me. We're like, I'm sick of it. I don't care anymore. Yeah, I think the last one who really did it was Dirk probably. And by the, like, it kind of got repetitive. At some point, it gets old it, fast. It does, but but you're t- you're asking me as a one like I I'm just going to that one game itself. So for me, I I, I don't see it as that. Maybe if I'm just constantly watching on the TV, then I'm, I'm like by halfway through the season, I'm like, oh, come on, like this is gonna. So I get where you're coming from for sure. But as a fan, if I am going to either you know if he goes to. Barclays Center for a game or MSG and I were to be at that game, then yeah, why not? And this is what I'll say because I like, I do in a sense appreciate, like, I think it would be nice to have, have heads up of just like, hey, LeBron's never come to town again. So it's like, it's kind of now, like, I've never seen him play in person. I would love to. So it's like one of those things where it's like, if he comes to play, you know, against the Knicks next year and it's like, I know it's his last game, it makes spending money on those tickets like a little bit more worth it because you know, okay, this is it. But yeah. I will say with that said, he's 39 years old. Like, I think at this point, you got to treat every year like it's LeBron's last. If you're a fan that wants to see him. And so it's like, if he comes to town, I think you got to treat it like he's not going to, you know, get a tour or whatever. But it's like, you got to treat it as this could be the last time I ever see LeBron. So it's like, if you want to see him before it's too late, and that's what kind of LeBron's arguing, I guess it sounds like internally of, well, do I want to give my fans a heads up or not? Like, I feel like fans at this point with his age... He's made no bones about it. The end is closer than it's ever been. Could be two years. Could be one year. Who knows? I feel like now you got to start getting to the mindset anyway of this could be it. So maybe let's try to go see him now before it's too late. No, absolutely. I mean, this season, actually, I went to go see LeBron for the first time. Okay. And I did that because, well, not just because of him, because it was actually a very good matchup. But I went to go see him and, you know, I... It was a fantastic game. He played really well. Like, there was some stuff that I'm just like, how is he still doing this at this age? So, yeah. I mean, but I did have that mindset of, I need to go see him before. It's kind of like a bucket list sort of thing. So, but at the same time, I do understand where you're coming from. 
So if you are right now a LeBron fan that you either seen him in person a ton and want to do it one more time or you've never seen him and you want to get out there and just say you saw LeBron in person one time before it's too late, I would say treat next season like it's his last. It probably won't be. And who knows, he may announce in two years from now like the, the following season is going to be it and he may have a victory tour. I just think if you're LeBron... I just think at this point, especially the media coverage that he would get, but any great player gets, from my perspective, it just gets old quick. And then it's that initial, like, oh, okay, cool, this is going to be LeBron's last trip to wherever, the Garden, you know, Philly, Miami, Dallas, wherever. I feel like that sentiment or that novelty rubs off very quick, and that kind of turns to resentment. It's like, oh, here we go again. Okay, we get it. And now we got to see LeBron's greatest highlights from beating the Sixers for, you know, 20 years in a row. Oh, Sixers fans, let's relive these painful memories. Celtics fans, when LeBron terrorized you in the playoffs when he came back with the Cavs for the second time, let's relive those fun memories in the playoffs again as he makes his last trip to the TD Garden. I think it just gets old fast. So LeBron, I would say Tim Duncan it. Play. And when you think it's over, retire, no frills, no big year-long victory lap tour. Call it after the season, no victory lap. As a reminder, this portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out, contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. When we return, the All-Star Game is in the books. East sets a record for the most points ever scored in an All-Star game of 211. Damian Lillard, the All-Star game MVP. Luka Doncic. Both had thoughts about how the game could be improved. Could we see a change in competitiveness going forward? Well, you'll hear from the two stars when we do return next. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.